Okay, welcome to the first episode of Newcastle Muso Talk. I'm your host, Simon Threadgate, and for everybody tuning in, uh, the idea behind this show really is just to talk to people involved in the local scene as musicians, sound people, promoters, venue owners, media people, and just generate some conversation on the local scene, the health of it, the future of it, thoughts on it, the past, the whole kit and caboodle, as well as get to know a little bit more about the people on the front lines of Newcastle music. Um, to help launch the show, thanks to Rhythm Section Management and the Stag and Hunter over at Mayfield, we're giving away two free tickets to any ticketed gig in August at that venue of your choice. Um, to get involved in that, all you need to do is head over to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Newcastle Muso Talk. Uh, look for the post mentioning the giveaway, you'll see it there. Uh, share that post in particular and we'll draw a winner by the end of the weekend from everyone who shared that and you'll uh, yeah, get free tickets, two of, of, uh, two of your choice to any show there in August at uh, the Stag and Hunter. I'll also have the lineup of all the gigs booked there on the Facebook page too. So without any further ado, our first guest is Mr. Troy Scary, who plays currently in the Neptune Power Federation and uh, Buffalo Revisited. He's been in more bands than I've had hot meals. A Sydney guy originally relocated to Newcastle in about 2010. Brilliant guitarist, absolute legend. Uh, he DJed my wedding back in August with his killer record collection. Just an all-round great bloke. Um, again, it's our first episode, so feedback definitely is welcome. Hit our Facebook page up with any questions, suggestions, ideas for the future. We've got interviews coming up with Steve Simmons, uh, Maitland musician with Michling, um, and a bunch of other bands as well. Uh, John Fox, who's a local sound engineering legend, as well as drums with Di Pritchard from uh, Rose Tattoo uh, with his band. Uh, Helena Kitley from Glam Slam and her solo projects, Tim Clack from Porn Logic and Schlauncher, Marcus Wright from Big Apache at the Wicco Hotel there. So plenty going on in the next few weeks. Stay tuned. Subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on the Apple iTunes uh, or the Apple Podcasts app. I'm going to be on SoundCloud as well. Um, share us however you find us. If you're on our uh, Apple app, uh, the Apple iPad um, podcast app, Rate us, review us, help us get seen. Uh, that'll be fantastic. Uh, but in the meantime, enjoy a chat with Troy Scary, and um, we'll see you again next time. Cheers. Escaped. <laughs> How long ago did you escape? 2010. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it probably would have been around the time I first met you. Was when yeah, you I was living in um, Maryville, I think. So yeah, that yeah. was when I very first moved here. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, what's the sort of music that you were raised on before you got into metal and all that sort oh, of stuff okay. that your parents um, sort of brought you up on? Yeah, my mum had an all right record collection. And my dad sort of. My dad's was a bit more eclectic. Well, eclectic. There was some good stuff and some dross. <laughs> um yeah, no, I was just obsessed by it when I was a kid. Like, mum had put singles on. She had yeah. heaps of 45s. And, yeah, apparently when I was a little kid, I'd just lose my shit every time she put music <laughs> on. So I guess it's unsurprising. I remember my uncles and aunties and they'd come around and go, oh, he's got to be a DJ or something when he gets older for sure. Like, just goes nuts. Was it always sort of guitar that you were drawn to originally? Oh, or? Well, she was into all guitar bands anyway. It was all like, um, you know, Beatles, Easy Beats. Yeah, yeah. Um, heaps of Aussie stuff. I remember like crap like Johnny Young yep. and that, but lots of 60s garage sort of bands yeah, like yeah. Um, 
the Australian band The Throb. I remember that, having yeah. the single of that. Um, trying to think what else there was. <laughs> there was a few songs that have just stuck with me. Oh, Jeff's and John, the ID. There's a handful of songs yeah. that, yeah, I'm like, oh, shit, my mum had that record when I was like <laughs> five or something like that, you yeah. know, um, that kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah, there's a handful of songs like that that take me back to that. Been a little in, kid in that period, yeah. Yeah. When did you start to transition into the metal sort of stuff? What was the sort of? Oh, the... not till later. Um, when I was a kid, like Kiss were really big, and all my friends at school loved them. And yeah, I yeah. thought they were rubbish. <laughs> I, <laughs> I never st- got Kiss. So. Yeah, I, I sort of like them now, sorta. But yeah. um, I liked all the shit my parents still liked. I was into the my, my dad liked the Stones and Zeppelin, so I was into that. Yeah. Um, and I I dug Elvis and the I loved the Beatles. I was just yeah, absolutely yeah. obsessed with them. When I was You're a, a Beatles kid. man over the old Beatles versus Rolling Stones. You go the Beatles on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I was just it was weird. So all the standard music that kids were into my age when we were like eight, nine, ten, I just wasn't into it. And then you know I'd listen to stuff on the radio, and I remember liking some stuff. I remember buying a Devo record. Yep. You know, um, probably around nineteen eighty, and then um, I started playing guitar. So I was getting drawn to more guitar music, yeah, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. And then uh, Iron Maiden Run to the Hills was like top 10 yeah. in Australia. <laughs> and that was it. That was a big... Yeah, my best mate, his dad bought the album. Yeah. And we were just like, what the hell is this? <laughs> so from we were just gone. I think we'd started getting into ACDC and stuff at that point yeah. as well. We were pretty into them, me and a handful of friends. I remember three of us all went to the record shop one day and we all had money to buy a record. And we all bought a record each a different ACDC record and bought a blank cassette yeah. so, <laughs> so we could take around. the other two. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I bought the light. Like if, if you want blood, you got it. Yeah. One of the other guys bought like highway to hell. Someone yeah, bought yeah. TNT. So that was, we we're pretty set from there. Yeah. But yeah, when Maiden came out, that run the hills was like, hit the goals. Hit the, yeah. Hit the mark, and yeah. we just, yeah, that got me down the road to heavy metal pretty yeah, much. Yeah. It was like, and I remember there was a, a TV show on called Rock Arena and they had a metal special and that must, must have been like 83. Yep. And it was like Def Leppard, Motorhead, Girl School. Yeah, yeah. Um, that British new wave. Yeah, yeah. And Maiden, obviously. Yeah. And yeah, we. I remember a friend recorded that and we were just like, fuck, all these bands, you know, what the <laughs> hell? This is great. <laughs> and how long was that sort of till you started then moving into playing Music was that? Oh, uh, well, I was playing by then. Yep. Um, yeah, there was me and two friends, and we didn't have a bass player. I just played rhythm guitar. Just went straight into a band, or you sort of spent a time learning a bit. Oh and... yeah, like kind of. I'd been playing guitar about a year, but yep. I was terrible. Like I could, be- I couldn't play an F chord or anything. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you can play <laughs> dozens of ACDC songs <laughs> with four chords. So away we went. You yeah, know, yeah. and my mate he sang and played guitar, and his dad was a bass player, and he was pretty talented guy and yep. same with the drummer like he, he started playing drums when i started playing guitar but he had the natural knack for it yeah yeah. and he just yeah was a really talented drummer and yeah, yeah so yeah it was just thrash metal obviously when you first started out or yeah just, no, no yeah acdc songs yeah, like, yeah that was it like yeah we we're probably like 11 <laughs> run, or something got to walk before you run sort of thing. Yeah, yeah yeah um well we didn't even know what thrash was at that point <laughs> this is probably like 1983 82 yeah, yeah. like and we played a few parties for friends and stuff like that. Yep. And I've got a photo at home of us playing in a garage <laughs> in front of a bunch of oldies. And, yeah, you yeah. know, it's like New Year's Day 1984. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I've got a flying V, and the flying V looks absolutely massive on me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my first electric guitar. That was your first a flying V. That's yeah. a good start, man. Vantage flying V. Yeah, walked yeah. in the shop. And yeah. Dad said, you got 200 bucks. And <laughs> it was like a Vantage, blue Vantage on the wall for 250 and I begged and pleaded and yeah, yeah. got lucky. Got to get the extra 50. Yeah. yeah so <laughs> a lot of money at the time. It's yeah. Pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. It'd be like my kid going now, give me, you know, seven or eight hundred bucks to go buy a guitar. I'd be like, what? <laughs> Unlikely. Yeah. <laughs> you obviously, you, you enjoyed doing the bands. You've been in about a hundred bands. Yeah. Did you, have you ever done a count of how many bands you've been in? What's some of the names? And then I got interviewed uh, probably about five or six years ago and I had to rattle off every band yeah, name yeah. and I still forgot one or two. <laughs> and there's been a few more since that, that interview. So, yeah, 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 I don't know. It'd be like 30. 30 plus, yeah. But I've been playing 30 years and... Like in bands, like gigging bands in pubs for 30 years and at, you know, stages I was on the dole doing four bands at once because yeah. I was just like, well, you know, and working part-time in a recording studio and yeah. had all this spare time in my hands and I just wanted a gig. So it was like, well, there's not enough gigs in Sydney, so... I'll yeah. just join four bands. <laughs> Get around. Yeah. <laughs> Does you have a favourite of all those bands? Like oh, yeah, of... there's certain bands that are just, yeah. Obviously, like... some are better for the music and then others are better for the good times that you had yeah, in yeah. the band. Yeah, Daredevil was kind of both of those things. Yeah, yeah. We I got all... the sense that was sort of more the, the most of your input into a band. Is that fair to say? Yeah, sort of. It was pretty... It was pretty even, really. Me and the other guitarist wrote the bulk of the music, yep. although the bass player and drummer did write music as well. Yep. And Dave wrote all the lyrics because I'm the worst lyricist <laughs> to ever walk the earth. It's just woeful. <laughs> I know my strengths. Lyrics ain't it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, but yeah, that was like, I don't know, that band was just, I, I dug the songs we did and there was just some weird chemistry where it was yeah. just way too much fun. Yeah. And yeah, we didn't even give a crap if the gigs were like 10 people. It was yeah, like yeah. just rehearsing was Where, a Were a lot of them 10 or were you getting... No, no was, we got lucky and got yeah, yeah. pretty good straight off the bat, yeah. like good crowds, like after about four or five shows. We, we supported Monster Magnet for like our six shows yeah, yeah. and we were playing in front of a sold out Metro Theatre, yeah. which was and you pretty did the bizarre. Channel v slot as well with Daredevil is that right yeah, what was live, that sorry a live go on Channel V with yeah, yeah we played well. live on Channel V and yeah. you know we played for Manchu and did a few international supports and stuff like yeah. got signed really quick and you know like yeah that was kind of cool but heaps of the fun times were just us in a rehearsal room like yeah. we'd just yeah get in this tiny room at sound level and it was just it didn't matter it was, it was just, just as much time. fun as the gigs yeah, yeah. Like, yeah playing music with those four guys was pretty amazing yeah yeah what what, what stopped that um life gets in the way it does not it <laughs> yeah you know, I moved up here everyone had kids yeah um we'd been doing it a long time crowds were drifting off and we just kind of went well how about we just get together and we'll jam once every blue moon and that's pretty much what happens although it's been a couple of years yeah, since yeah. we did that so it's not dead and buried obviously it's still uh, sort of we'll when never, you can I, have a run you can but I doubt we'd ever gig again yeah. but yeah we'll probably have another jam it's like because we want to catch up with each other and it's like, well, 
we could go to the pub and drink beer or we could just go to a studio and make a hell of a racket and drink beer. Yeah. Well, let's go do that. <laughs> so, Are you still writing songs and flying away going, that'll be a Daredevil song one day or that's nah, not in the picture nah, anymore? I was no? for a little while, yeah. but yeah, nah. It's, I think maybe last time or the time before we had a jam, we sort of mucked around with a couple of riffs. But yeah, no, nah, it's just, we've got enough songs. There's like, I don't know, 30 odd songs and yeah, we yeah. can't even remember half of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get halfway through and go, oh shit, what's that next riff? And yeah, yeah. hopefully someone remembers and we, it all is like riding a bike. Yeah. Well, going back to your thrash metal, sort of uh, your early bands, it was sort of a quick transition from that Akadaka then into the heavier stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, when you're 13, 14, 15, it was like you just want every, everything heavier and faster. Yeah, yeah. So... You know, hearing Motorhead was like, oh, geez, listen to that. And, you know, the first couple of times, it sounds like noise. And then, <laughs> nah, there's something <laughs> cool going on here. And then, yeah. you know, some kid came up to me, I reckon I was in year nine, would have been like 1984 or five or something, and 85 maybe. And he said, oh, you should hear this, you should hear this band Metallica. And um, if you like Motorhead and stuff, you're going to love them, you know. And I couldn't find their records anywhere yep. because they were imports only and your local record shop didn't have any of that. You'd have to catch a train in a town yep. to buy any of that stuff. And actually, our local record shop did have a very limited import section. Yeah. So I went in there one day. You got any Metallica? And the guy goes, no, 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 we don't have any of this. But you might like this. And it was the first Anthrax album. Yeah, cool. So I bought that and went, oh, yeah, I dig. I really like some of this, yeah. and then they can be a divisive one. Anthrax, you know, it's not for everyone. The old Anthrax, yeah, you're, yeah, I, you're I, into it, but yeah, yeah, I dug that first one. It yeah. didn't blow me away, but I liked it. But yeah. it, and it wanted, I wanted to check out more stuff like that. And then some kid did me a tape. This older guy I knew, and it was like I still remember it was like three Metallica songs, a couple of Venom songs, Slayer, yeah. and I remember seeing the Slayer um, ads in Hit Parader magazine back yeah, in the yeah. day when I was a kid, and. <laughs> going, this band looked like there's something going on here. Yeah, and ordering yeah. in Horton the Chapel and like waited like nine weeks and went, where's this record? <laughs> oh, we can't get it. Yeah. It's like, Ugh. So, yeah, I didn't hear Slayer until, well, it wasn't that, probably much longer after Anthrax actually. I yeah. went, went back there and went, what else you got like this? You got nothing a bit heavier? And Yeah. This is still early 80s, like pre-86. Yeah, yeah, before, it'd be 85 like, I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I looked at this and I went, oh, that's that Slayer band I was trying to get their rec- record of. And, you know, import records were expensive. Yeah. They were like two or three bucks. And, you know, I'm on pocket money yeah, rations. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so I sprung the extra money and bought Hella Weights. Yep. And went, whoa, this is something <laughs> else altogether. Yeah. Did you start to see uh, like a, a flick on with the switches yeah, in that bands locally? That was just the go yeah, for everyone? or Yeah, that was it. I was just like, you know, then someone told me about Utopia Records. I didn't even know it existed. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, ventured in there yeah. and just was overwhelmed. I can't even remember what I bought the first time <laughs> I went in there. I don't know. Yeah. I remember buying Seven Churches pretty early It's on. always still pretty overwhelming going in there. So it just got so oh, it was much. a tiny little shop. It was stuff. like a shoebox of yeah, a store yeah. back then in the 80s. It was in this little dingy arcade in Martin Place and yeah. got lost trying to find it. <laughs> the Christian Science Reading Room was across the hall, which was <laughs> quite amusing. <laughs> An interesting combination of customers. Yeah. Who uh, was your sort of guitar heroes that you started to pick up as you got earlier there, like Kerry oh, King and, and oh, Hanneman nah. and all that sort of stuff? Or? Um, before that was like Hendrix. Yep. Um, I loved Malcolm Young. I yeah, just yeah. loved his guitar sound. I loved all the rhythm on the ACDC stuff. 
Um, the guitar Rand- was more of that 70s stuff and then you sort of ran it through the metal filter as you sort yeah, of got a bit yeah. more into um, that. Randy Rhodes, like buying those, that first, I actually didn't even have Diary of Man Man for years. Uh, the first Aussie solo album, I was yeah. just like, what the hell? You know, that, and I had bought, you know, the first guitar Mag ever bought was a guitar player, like an anniversary thing for when yep. he died, like they did some special issue and I remember reading that going, this guy seems totally cool and then going out and buying the first Aussie record and went man what the hell is this yeah. I think I heard that before I heard Van Halen or anything you know yep. so I was more into him um, yeah and then James Hetfield yep. um, not many of the thrash guys like I dug the riffs more for thrash yeah, than yeah. the lead playing that explains Hetfield then that yeah yeah, yeah. fastest right hand in the west sort of yeah, deal yeah totally yeah. Um, you know I just remember you know jamming along to Kill 'Em All and um, Show No Mercy yeah like big time just trying to learn all those riffs. Yeah. Hours when you're a determined 15-year-old with no friends and <laughs> you've only got a guitar and an amp and sit in your room brooding and yeah, yeah. playing metal and hating the world. Did you ever try and knock over Eruption? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had yeah, a crack yeah. at that. I, can yeah. play, I used to be able to play the finger-tapping part all through the middle of it, yeah. but yeah, I don't, can't do it now, yeah. I don't think. <laughs> you saying before your old man bought you a guitar, it sounds like your parents were pretty supportive of you doing musical stuff, yeah? Sort of. I wanted to play drums at first. They didn't want to borrow that shit. <laughs> my uncle even played drums and was selling his drum kit and lived up the road and me mum's brother and I was like, can I, can yeah, I have yeah. it? And they're like... Fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> why, would, why would we do that to ourselves? you got to be kidding. Yeah. Little did they know I would discover Marshall Amps and be even louder. <laughs> did you have a musical family growing up? Or like, yeah, yeah, no, nah, they were into music, bit. but none of them played anything. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. Dad was pretty tone deaf when he'd sing. Yeah. And like me, I inherited <laughs> that. <laughs> um. So in terms of what are you do in the bands that you're in now, what projects are you currently doing now? You've got Neptune. Neptune Power Federation. main focus. And that's, that's main focus. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I play guitar in Buffalo Revisited yep. when that happens. Yep. As we were saying before, that's pretty much sort of wrapping up now at the moment. Though who potentially, knows? Yeah, potentially, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know. The, you know, even if a dozen gigs don't come, Fast and Furious. Like yeah, we yeah. did two shows last year. Yeah, done one show this year. Are you looking for other bands? Are you always looking for new projects, or are you sort of nah? Get I haven't, a f- I haven't, couple going, and you're I haven't looked that? for anything for ages. I haven't. It's just if someone asks me. Yeah, yeah. The last thing I actually looked for was probably um, Gem with. Uh, up here with Annie and Mick because yeah, I yeah. wanted to do something out of my comfort zone. Yep. I thought I'd give that a crack. That <laughs> yeah, that work out. It was good. It, it was, was good. interesting. Yeah. It made me play really different. And yeah, it's good to sort of put yourself in unfamiliar territory yeah, yeah. at times instead of relying on the same old cliched stuff. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And I did East Coast Low. That was the same sort of deal up here. That yep. was like, oh, I want to put myself out of my comfort zone a bit. But yeah, I'd yeah. had all these riffs I'd been building up for years, like. 20 years of like oh that's a cool riff 
shame it sounds like a power pop band. Like I can't really use that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> stuck in my head anyway so I went oh it must be something it must something, be an yeah. idea worth yeah. pursuing I guess it's very 90s Australian alternative I get the feel like I was listening to it today it reminds me a lot of the Idiot Box soundtrack with like bands like Hoss and Crow and stuff like that yeah I guess um, yeah a little bit but you know that's I guess what I was listening to in the 90s too I got pretty burnt out on metal and yeah it was just was still in the heavy music but just not in the metal as yeah, such yeah. Um, and yeah funnily enough we Played a few gigs with Hoss in the nineties, and yep. yeah, are an amazing band. Yeah, 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 yeah. I missed a lot of that stuff. Like the Idiot Box soundtrack's probably my best yeah, connection to that it, sort yeah. of stuff. Um, do you? Is there a point at this at this point in your life now where you think that you would do music for? Like, is that an, even a goal to do music as a, as the thing you do, or it's nah, just a? No, it hasn't been for. Was there a point at where you were like, this is what I'm doing, I'm going fucking flat chat at doing yeah, this? Yeah, the, the late 90s when I was in my late 20s, I was, yeah, I was in four bands. I was working in a recording studio a couple of days a week, rehearsal recording studio, and I just, yeah, got sick of working a day job and just basically quit my day job, yep. went on the dole and went, bugger this, I'm going to somehow make this work yeah, yeah. to pay the bills. Yeah. Didn't work. I just stand. <laughs> How up. long did you sort of stop writing guitars? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, a while. Because um, I joined. I got. Funnily enough, not long after I did that, um, I reckon it must have been about three weeks. It wasn't long at all yeah. after that happened. I got asked to join Mortal Sin. Yeah, did yeah. an Australian tour with them. Yeah. So that'd yeah. sort of be your first splash on the national scene. Yeah, it would be Mortal Sin. Oh no, no. I toured nationally a few years before that with a band called White Trash. Yep. Um, I think that's the earliest band I've seen photos of you on on Facebook. Yeah, so yeah, we toured a fair bit. I was stuff. like 18 when I joined that band. Yeah. And so that was a band already going that you joined in? Oh, uh, there... they hadn't gigged at that point. Um, I actually replaced a guitarist called Steve Edmonds, yeah. who you may know that plays around up here yeah, yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah, he was... He it's was funny the metal guy's going to do totally non-metal stuff, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, he wasn't really a metal guy, but he knew all those guys and yeah, he yeah. liked some of that stuff. Yeah. Like, I think, you know, he's a big Deep Purple fan or something. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, so there was, it wasn't a totally foreign point of reference. Yeah. So, but yeah, he obviously went on to, you know, play Hendrix covers. Yeah. <laughs> Something a bit different. <laughs> Forever, <laughs> I guess. So I guess financially projects are not a, con the finances aren't a concern as such. It's, you're just literally looking for stuff you enjoy doing now. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, you know, with, I yeah. just, after that, like, even by the time I hit, like Daredevil, when we got together, it was like, well... We've all had our go at giving, you know, the, those guys were a couple of years older than me and we're like, we all looked at each other and went, ah, let's just get a band together we like doing and play, play a gig once a month at the Iron Duke in front of 30 of our mates. Yeah, that yeah. was a goal. Yeah. And that happened like twice and then all of a sudden we're getting off of these shows and record yeah, yeah. deals on that and we're like, huh? <laughs> this wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. And it was just, so that became a bit of a schism at the time of the band because I was a bit younger and 
I was the only one without kids. I th- oh, no, I wasn't the only one, but, yeah, I didn't yeah. have kids and a few of the guys did. So I was like, bugger it, we're getting off, off of all these the chances. Road. Let's just yeah. tour and go for it. And they're like, eh, <laughs> we've got life to deal with. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. is that when you sort of transitioned on to doing more? Like how, what's the time, timeline there of going from White Trash through to Mortal Sin? How would you get picked up by them? Oh, the drummer from Mortal Sin, when he got – the original drummer that played on their big albums when he got he got fired from Mortal Sin, put yep. together a band which was White Trash, and not long before he got fired, Mortal Sin were rehearsing for the Metallica tour in this um, film studio, I think it was, yep. at Lane Cove, and I was playing in this punk band when I was like seventeen, and they were older dudes. And they knew Mortal Sin, and we went along to watch them rehearse. And we get there, and they've stopped rehearsing. Half the guys have buggered off. And the drummer was there, and I think Mick Burke was there. And that might have been it. Yeah. And so we just got up and started jamming. Yeah, yeah. And I remember playing them a couple of riffs I had, and Wayne just kind of went, oh, there's something there. Something and then I left that punk band maybe a month or two after that yeah. and wasn't doing anything musically at all for a few months and then got a phone call saying off Wayne going, do you want to come and have a jam? We've yeah, got yeah. this band going on. I was like, whoa, yeah. shit, this is a step up in the world for an 18-year-old <laughs> kid from the suburbs. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, because he'd done, you know, fuck, they, they were supporting Metallica six yeah. months ago, you know. It was yeah. a bit of a big deal. So, yeah, I went and, went and had a jam with those guys yeah. and got in and wrote Things songs. Things got a bit more and, professional at that point in terms of being involved in the business or it was you, you oh, just... I got a little bit more professional we had a manager yeah. Um, and yeah all of a sudden there was tours and I was getting an itinerary of like okay well we're doing this we're doing this we're doing this and you know there's X amount of money and floating around and this that the other so it yeah, was yeah. you know just it was, wasn't really more professional but it was organised at least yeah it wasn't just throwing crap at a wall and seeing what sticks. It was yeah, like, it okay, was, we're going to do some uh, East Coast tour. Plan. So we're doing Brisbane this weekend. Yep. We're going to do Gosford, Sydney, then go to Melbourne, yeah, then yeah. go to Adelaide. Yeah. No trouble with finding venues or anything like that at the time. Like, we had a manager to do it, yeah, all, so did it didn't matter. But there was just you know, so many more gigs then because the yeah, pub yeah. scene was a different thing altogether. Yeah. Um, this would have still been pre-booze bus and all that sort of stuff no nah, booze buses were around that had only been in a few years so yeah. they had already put a dampener on it um, according to the people older than myself yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no pokies yeah, yeah. pokies weren't a thing yet they yeah. had card machines and you could only win 100 bucks yeah, yeah. and it was a lot yeah so and they weren't as profitable and so people that owned pubs back then it was more like a, um, a family sort of business it wasn't like now where it's owned by corporate conglomerates to yeah, yeah. you know for their portfolio that wasn't a thing it was this labor of love by yeah. some guy that wanted always wanted to own a pub yeah, yeah and they couldn't put pokies in there and they weren't really fan there was no family friendly pubs that yeah. wasn't even a thing so it was like well how are we going to get people in so the bands were an obvious thing they'd put they'd put bands in there and you know, there was no internet mobile phones or anything that so pubs yeah. were like a meeting place and if you're into music that's where you go. That was where you'd go. And people would just go anyway. Like, people would just go, oh, well, there's nothing happening. Uh, some of my friends, you know, we might meet a cute guy at the pub or something. Yeah. And we'll go, and I like, don't mind those long-haired types. We'll go down the pub, you yeah, know, yeah. or whatever. It was, just, <laughs> I, it was a totally different thing. It was, you know, like, my first local band when I was 16 playing in pubs, we were, like, getting, on average, probably 80 to 100 people for a gig. Yep. And we were playing pretty much every second week yep. 
in Sydney and we didn't have a record out. We didn't have a demo out. We yeah. were playing heaps of covers because we were terrible songwriters. <laughs> so we'd sort of like do half and half, Yeah, I think. But, yeah, and we were crap. But that, a- you could still pull people. We did have create some sort of vibe because we were young and enthusiastic. Yeah, so yeah. we did have that going for us. <laughs> but um, What do you think's changed in terms of venues, the public culture in general? That is, that, do you find that there's less people? That's always... Oh, there's totally less people. What but the culture's totally different. It's, it's, um, I always used to say, this is what the jazz guys must have felt like in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before everyone got hip to it. Yeah, just watching everything die, you yeah, know, yeah. like... Um, watching their crowds dwindle because there's there's so much other competition for your entertainment dollar now. Yeah. You can you've got Netflix, you've got you know, shit we didn't you know, back then you had a VHS player. That was yeah, all you had. One or two movies that you've got. Yeah, and um free to air T V was all there was and you know, even with the movies you'd have to wait like a year until they'd come out yeah, on yeah. VHS or some crap. You yeah. know, it was so yeah, you had cinema you know, like temping bowling or something, roller skating or some crap like that. It was just, or you'd go out for dinner or whatever, but there was no, yeah, no internet, no, yeah, no pokies in pubs or anything yeah, like yeah. that. You'd, pokies were what the old people played at RSLs, yeah. the Blue Rinse set. Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll play <laughs> me pension on the one arm bandits. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, how do you find? Do you get to many gigs locally? Like, what are your thoughts sort of on the local scene at the moment? Is there? Um, I have no idea, yeah. which is really terrible because I used to really, really, really make it a thing yep. to support the scene. That yeah. was always, and I was always disgusted in bands that wouldn't. Yeah, I thought it appalling. <laughs> so I was like, you know, especially when I lived in Newtown, yep. there was all these pubs that had gigs for free, especially the Sando. Yeah, yeah. So it was like, well, what am I going to do? Sit here and watch, you know, whatever crap free-to-air TV or I can just go up the pub and yeah, see whatever right. band's happening and I'll put six or seven bucks over the bar and what have two beers and go home. Yeah, yeah. And that was what I used to do like two or three nights a week if I wasn't gigging. Yeah. So, you know, and... Sydney was so happening in the early 90s. You used to go to three shows a night. You'd go to the Hopetown. Hopetown is shut at 12. Go to the Lansdowne, watch bands till 2. And if you're really motivated, you'd go in the cross and watch bands till 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing, yeah, as you said, there's nothing like that now to nah, even do, especially not, locally here. Even in Sydney, it'd be completely different now. To, nah, yeah, Sydney's to the same as here. Yeah, Newcastle's yeah. got a pumping scene, really, yeah. for the population. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty great. Yeah. Sydney's pretty awful, you know, like you... <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty disappointing. Is it even possible to, as a musician, to make a living doing music without doing the pub circuit and tour, uh, you know, just doing covers all week or or going away and touring extensively? Um, like, is there a way that you can do that? No, do unless it? unless you've got a song on Triple J. Yep. No. Yeah. Um, because you can't do that now. Um, Triple J, when it went national, did give you the uh, opportunity to, if you got airplay. To play these shitty little towns yeah, yeah. that you sort of couldn't play. Like, we did play them in White Trash. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, it was so hit and miss. It wasn't even funny. We nearly got run out of town in Orange. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah it was... So you just... Boys being boys, being getting up to a bit of mischief. No, nah, no, just, nah, didn't just like the, the locals were like, because... Music angry up the blood. Well, you know, the, the culture back then, they were like, well, what the hell's with these guys with long hair? <laughs> you know, it was just full-on dead shit footy bogans yeah, going, yeah. what the hell, any alternate... <laughs> thing so yeah you'd go to the pub after your gig and you'd yeah. nearly get 10 shades of shit punched out of you yeah, yeah. or you know i was telling 
my girlfriend the other day pu- pulling into a, a truck stop on the way to Queensland and we all got out of the you know thing we'll starve and all got out of the tour van yeah. walked into the the truck diner old school like trucker's diner in 1990 yeah. you know and it was like we just all filed it back straight into the van again because <laughs> we realised if we Reverse walked in retreat. there we weren't coming out in one piece you know <laughs> that kind of thing uh, the um with doing the, the music as much as you've done, how do you sort of find that balance between doing family stuff, working a real job, and still being able to get out and do the music and, and tour? And pretty hard, um, you know. Some would say it uh, contributed to the downfall of my <laughs> long-term relationship, but um, you know, like I see some, you know, some of my kids friends parents and stuff and you know they're all out playing golf every weekend yeah, yeah. and going away for footy trips and shit like that and yeah. to me it's the same like yeah, yeah. I, I have been i have been touring a lot the last couple of years because i that was a conscious decision to throw myself back into it and yeah. get back into it again because i needed that in my life i yeah. was pretty miserable so <laughs> i needed some sort of positive thing going on so yeah. i just went right but you know it keeps you poor <laughs> but yeah it has a it costs a lot to have a golf membership at a nice club too, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, that kind of thing. And so I just equate it to that. It's yeah. like just you've got to have, you've got to have a passion or a hobby. Yeah, yeah. And I'm suspicious of people that don't have one. <laughs> yeah. What are they doing with their time? Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> Do you find that um, as a, it's quite common in the musical community, I guess, where people talk about mental illnesses and, and it seems to be fairly intrinsically linked with, I guess trying to be creative but not having a, I don't know, a reward or a, yeah, an yeah. outlet for it, I guess, is, yeah. is sort of a thing there. Um, yeah, it is something I think about. I wonder if the um, if people with mental illness are drawn to more creative pursuits yeah, yeah, or the creative pursuits and the lack of reward breeds mental illness or maybe it amplifies it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, but it, it is certainly prevalent. Yeah. In, in the music industry, you know, you probably know the statistics, the suicide rate's pretty high yeah, yeah, yeah. and all the rest of it. And, you know, the mortality rate for musicians is not real good either and that's for various reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, several cliches built into the lifestyle. It's well, yeah, there's that. But also, I don't know, like having spent, it's not so much now because there's no smoking in pubs, but I remember, you know, playing especially pubs with low roofs and you'd look out and just go, holy crap, there's just this mist of cigarettes yeah, yeah. and you're breathing all that in and bands in the 70s and 80s that were playing four or five nights a week yeah, and they're breathing that in if you don't smoke, guess what's going to happen? Yeah, that's the work environment. Yeah. yeah, but you know, and also there's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of travelling. There's a lot of time between soundcheck and the gig and so people get bored and they... and. You know, you're in an industry where you get paid in alcohol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's always, you know, especially in the old days, it was like two cartons of beer was kind of standard a for payment, a rider. Yeah, yeah. So people drink and then people do drugs and whatever and yeah. that leads to a whole other yeah, yeah. <laughs> thing. It's, it's sort of, is, is it even logical to think that you could make a career off music these days? Like, is it even a... Ooh. I don't know if it's... There's ever, no money in actual product now, is there, in terms of music? It's all on, on merch and touring and... Yeah, so it's it's kind of a tough one because I do know younger bands that have done it, so... Yeah. 
yeah, it is. You never want to discredit all the hard work, obviously, but there's yeah. a huge streak of luck to... Oh, of course, but there always has been. Yeah. I think you could, you could always sort of... There was enough gigs around years ago you could churn out a very basic living if you wanted. Yeah, yeah. Playing music that has disappeared. Was that still playing your own music, or was this yeah, again yeah, pub circuit doing covers? Yeah, but, yeah, but I don't know. It was kind of weird. Like the in Sydney in the eighties, most of the bands were originals. Yeah, there was heaps of original bands around, like so many. Um, the cover thing came in probably late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, started creeping in the stuff. Um, yeah, I think you can still make a living out of it, but you just yeah, there's a lot of luck, a shit ton of hard work. Yeah. You just got to basically put your life on hold and go, I'm going to tour. Like the guy that put out um, the Daredevil records yep. in the early 2000s, he now manages a band called Hockey Dad. Mm-hmm. Not my bag at all, but yeah. you know, they've just sold out like I know the young kids love them. Yeah, they've just sold out Emerald Theatre. Yeah, yeah. Like that was kind of unimaginable back then. Yeah. But on the other hand, I guess they're playing these big shows. Whereas I saw Roast Tattoo at the, like in one of the first gigs I ever saw was Roast Tattoo in a pub in like 1985. Yeah. But they, you know, they were playing, instead of playing an MO theatre, a band like that, they would just play pubs in every corner of yeah. every city. They'd play like seven shows. Yeah, seven intimate shows instead of the one, yeah. one or two bigger shows. Yeah, yeah. so, yeah, I don't I don't know as financially if that's better or worse or whatever, but... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's sort of an all or nothing investment really, isn't it? You either go on for everything or you're left... Yeah. Left to your own devices, and <laughs> most people who are musically inclined maybe tend not to have that backup plan built in. Did you have a backup plan? If it, it, yeah, I got to trade and all that, yeah, yeah. you know, and that's what I do. Yeah. It's um, yeah, I always had the backup plan. I guess. I'd, yeah, yeah. How much I relied on. Well, I nearly got kicked out of my trade because white trash was happening, and I was still an apprentice, and I'd had so much time off TAFE that <laughs> <laughs> um, they were like, basically, if you have one more day off TAFE. You're done. Don't come back. They yeah. said, we know you're passing, but you've got to have X amount of attendance and yeah, yeah. you are on right on the borderline. <laughs> One more day will push you over. Yeah, yeah. So, you yeah. sort of made it harder for yourself as well, doing heavy music too, I guess, in a sense. It is yeah, I guess, but we were still touring different. and that was the problem. Like yeah, We were yeah. out of town, so I wasn't attending TAFE. I, was yeah. t- I've, I remember taking three weeks off work without pay because... Yeah. I'd already used up all my holidays. You wanted to was happening, whether you... Yeah, yeah. I was like, fuck this, I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this job. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, there was, you know, there was that. So if you're in a bigger band, God knows what it would have been like, you know, if you were yeah, yeah. even more flat out. Do you think you'll just keep touring? You said you've made a bit of an effort to go back into it. Is the plan now just to go, let me style until you die on stage? Or are you going to... I don't know. I'm amazed I'm doing it this. I'm amazed I'm doing it now. I remember when I was 16 (laughs) playing pubs and going to see the Celebrate Rifles and the Rocks and bands like that, you know, in the mid-80s. I was probably like 86. I started going to shows pretty regularly. Hey, no photo ID. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And going, God... You know, these guys must be almost 30. That seemed like total yeah. relic. Like it just seemed unimaginable. And I'm now 47 yeah. and still doing it. And I just go, how the hell? But, you know, I, I also remember my, my dad being a big Stones fan and my parents one day having a conversation because there was a thing on the news going on about how the Stones were about to embark on a world tour in like, this must have been like 81 or 82 or something. And, oh, Mick Jagger's nearly 40. <laughs> that seemed ridic- ludicrous for rock and roll. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
you were saying before you don't write stuff for Daredevil specifically, but when you're writing songs now, are you thinking, well, that's a Neptune song? That's a yeah. I kind of sit down and write to order. Like now, yeah. it's like I actually haven't been writing much the last couple of years, which is pretty stupid. Yeah. But yeah, it was like oh, you know, I know there's a Neptune album. We're about we're in the process of writing and recording that. Yeah. So I basically sat down and wrote some stuff and yeah. went right. songs or riffs more oh, a bit of both a bit of both yeah. Yeah. yeah you know I've got one song on there so far this time yeah you know we've probably got two or three more left to write I'll probably sit down and write a bunch of riffs and or maybe a whole song yeah. and throw them to Fox because yeah. it's Fox's band he it's his project yeah so I just throw stuff out there and if he wants to use it excellent yeah, yeah. if he doesn't want to use it that's totally fair enough yeah. as well you know? do you miss having a, a a project that's yours it's like you know or this or do you is that a um, thing you'd like to do or yeah it is but at the moment project sort of deal at the or? moment i'm kind of digging not, not doing <laughs> anything because you know when it's your band it's a lot of work yeah, there's yeah. so much work involved and at the moment you know i've got young kids and other dramas going yeah. on i'm just i don't have the energy or the time yeah, for yeah. it would you, would you do it as a live band or would you prefer just to do a studio sort of project no nah, I like some... playing live yeah, yeah. I do like I, I do love recording yeah. more and more as I get older I love recording now I know my way around a studio a little bit yeah but yeah I just like playing live still yeah, yeah. I like making an ass of myself in front of the audience <laughs> basically show pony or whatever the hell feed yeah. my ego I don't know. <laughs> choose, choose choose your abuse on uh, why I like that <laughs> but yeah 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 You've been in a, a ton of bands now. Do you, not so much do you get recognised, but do you have any concept of a position of your spot in sort of like Oz Rock history? Is that not really? Not really, it's no, not. A, no. it's, it just comes in waves like that stuff. Like to a certain in a certain scene, I guess I'm known. In, to a certain generation of people in the music scene, I'm known. Yep. But you ask a 25 year old kid who I am. They're not going to know. Yeah, They're just yeah. going to go some old bloke who gives a shit. Yeah, yeah. You know, so, yeah. Um, There's a certain age, because I think we were trying to describe bands you'd been in at some point. We are like, Buffalo and all this stuff. At a certain age, it's just... Oh, the Buffalo gig the other night, the average age would have been probably like 50. Yeah, yeah. You know, there were some younger kids there and stuff. There was like kids young... Well, I say kids, I'm 47. There was probably, <laughs> you know, guys there in their early 30s that have discovered proto-metal and yeah, all that yeah. stuff. So, they were, you know, there for that, but... Yeah, you know, there was people there well in their 60s. Yeah, yeah. I came late to the Buffalo game. I got Volcanic Rocket, Beaumont Street Beat, when that was still running oh, right yeah. towards the end of that. But um, Yeah, I didn't even... I remember seeing the records around when I was a kid. I didn't... And I remember one of the guys in White Trash playing them to me when I joined that band, but I didn't really sit down and hear them until, like, the late 90s. I was yeah, in yeah. my late 20s. And you got recommended to Buffalo, yeah, like someone you knew sort of suggested you to yeah, them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, so that was kind of cool yeah yeah. You know? yeah I didn't go looking for it I didn't even know they'd been auditioning guitarists they'd, yeah. but they'd auditioned a few guys 
yeah, I didn't even realise that the other guitarist wasn't in the band anymore or anything. It was yeah. just like, yeah. The first I heard about it was when they rang me up and said, you want to audition? Yeah. So, yeah. You are pretty keen right from the outset on that one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tough stuff though, yeah. I remember you saying a couple of... Yeah, John, you know, trying to mimic someone else, you know, because people, those records are so ingrained in their audience's mind that you really got to nail it yeah. otherwise yeah, there's no one taking a chance on buffalo now anyone who's going knows buffalo and yeah, wants yeah, to hear exactly. the song's done properly that so way. you know and I, if i was going to see buffalo yeah. that i'd want it i'd That's want that too want so yeah. i just kept that in mind and went well i've got to nail it and then i'm trying to learn his stuff going oh, he plays pretty unorthodox yeah. in places. <laughs> so trying to learn that yeah. even though his style was kind of similar to mine in in some respects yeah in others i was like what the hell there's a lot of threes. Yeah, yeah. Groups of three. Yeah. Which is weird. They don't play a riff four times, it's three times. Three guys, yeah. You know, things <laughs> like that. So, you know, it's kind of cool though. I'd say some of his style has seeped into my playing, having to learn all those, yeah, a lot yeah. of those solos and all those riffs. Yeah. It's not yeah, a bad thing. Yeah, yeah. It adds to that palette that you've got to draw on, I guess. Yeah. 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 Um, so what sort of stuff outside of music? keeps you saying obviously like records you sort of do on your instagram oh, yeah, record but, challenge yeah, at the yeah, moment yeah, and yeah but it's all music related yeah. i'm just into music that's yeah. all i've ever really given a crap about yeah, and yeah. that's it like i just i found my thing really early i yeah. was like four or five and went yep this is it yeah, yeah i don't know if it's out of sheer stubbornness stupidity or what <laughs> but that's just my thing i have nothing else gets me going i was never into sport i yeah. played a little bit here and there but i just yeah, yeah, I was into martial arts a little bit when I was in my late teens, yeah. but beyond that, yeah, no, I just, I should have a, I, I really should have a broader outlook on things, <laughs> but I just don't. Yeah. It's really dumb yeah, and yeah. boring. I like cars. Yeah, I was like going to say, cars. surely cars have to yeah, be. Yeah, old cars. I'm sick of working on them. I'm yeah, just yeah. over it. How you coping with the selling of your, uh, oh, your my, beloved? Oh, fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I've had that car eleven years, and I don't a string old holds before it. Yeah. I'm just. Yeah, I think I've done my dash. But, you know, I found myself on Facebook the other day trawling buy and sell car pages. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, it could be a thing again. I need a garage. If I get a garage, it, it will probably be a very real possibility that yeah, I'll yeah. get what, back in. What it. car was that, just for people who might be listening? Oh, I had an old that? HQ Holden. HQ I've owned Holden. a bunch of old Holden. Venetian blinds in the back there and yeah. everything, wasn't it? Mostly seven, pretty much all 70s era Holdens. Yeah, I've yeah. owned like five or six of them, I think, over the years. Yeah. That's your go-to. Is that what you'll be looking for on the used yeah, cars I know, again? Yeah, pro- oh, I might go for something different this time. But the thing is with those, I know them back to front, inside out and upside down. Yeah, yeah. So I just know what Is that the attraction from. to them? You're comfortable with them? You know how they, you know. You it's, know it's kind of the attraction now. Yeah, yeah. I, I just dug them early on yeah. and then, yeah, had one. I'd only had it six months, sort of rebuilt it, did all this and that got written off yeah. through no fault of my own, I might add. <laughs> so then I got another one and then had that at couple of years and then that got written off through no fault of my own yeah they just kept upgrading and yeah owned an old Monaro that when that when you could still almost afford to buy them yeah yeah well you could afford to buy them I bloody bought one I'm, I'm not rich <laughs> <laughs> you'd have to be rich now to buy one but yeah you know yeah. you still doing merch works as well you were doing a lot of yeah did merchandise merch for day job for yeah. a while for a few years um yeah, if it comes up, they they ask me to do the odd thing now and again. If I'm available, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Last thing they asked me to do was Delta Goodrum. <laughs> I wasn't available, unfortunately. I wouldn't have done Sadly. it. <laughs> I've worked for her before. She was fine. <laughs> um, we'll touch on, I guess, just some more topical stuff to finish up. Um, 
with the uh, you know the, the Me Too sort of environment now, coming up through the Sydney metal scene, I can't imagine there was heaps of uh, <laughs> heaps of female members of the audience. Um, uh Sort of, if the more wimpier metal bands, yes. <laughs> All the like because by then Bon Jovi was real big, you yeah, know. Yeah. So and Skid Row and bands that like hair that. Metal crossover. So yeah, there yeah, was yeah. there was a bit of that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, you'd go to the hair metal gigs, and yeah, yeah there was lots of women. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, the thrash <laughs> gigs, yeah, not so much. Yeah. <laughs> what about these? I see a lot of stuff on the. Uh, festivals now where a band will call out the festival because they've got a lady singer in the band and they're not getting paid as much as anyone else. Oh, really? Is that a thing? Apparently. Have you seen anything like that yourself doing, you know, around the traps? No, no, no. Nothing like that? No. No. Yeah, I don't know. I've just, I've, you know, I've, well, obviously, you know, Lauren from Neptune Power Federation is female. Yeah. <laughs> She's our singer. Uh, you know, I've got no Does problem. Does it help you get on to gigs? Is that the... <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. She's a fantastic vocalist. That's yeah. all. It was like, that's, surely that's got to be the main thing, yeah? That's, that's all I care about. Yeah, to yeah. me, it's just about the music. Anything else is just so it's, bullshit yeah. secondary. It's so far secondary yeah. that it just doesn't matter. Do you think that's, do you think there's, it's a valid place to bring up those, I mean, obviously, people who are directly affected by it will use music to, I guess, address that sort of stuff. But yeah, that's fair enough. If they want to use that as a creative outlet to voice their opinion, that's fine. Yeah, you know, yeah. whether people choose to listen to it or <laughs> not. I, I guess if you're an amazing band and that's your and you're bringing across that message, fine. Yeah. If you're a terrible band and think people should listen to it just because the message is right, well, no, be yeah. a politician or something. <laughs> be an activist. I think metal Your guys get, blows, you know. Yeah, like. yeah. I think metal guys get a bit of a wider berth, a wider uh, tolerance as well. You've got like Varg Vikanes and guys like that. You, you still want to listen to those old Burzum records, but you don't want to... You know, give yeah. any sort of credence to his insane. <laughs> you sort of, yeah, yeah. I don't know that it's hard to draw a line between a person's beliefs and their music. Like, and this conversation actually came up at the pub yeah. the other night. Um, I was talking about um, Destroyer Six 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 and how that guy's a bit of a racist. And yeah, yeah. All that. Yeah, I saw a bunch of stuff on in. Uh, Brooklyn Vegan webpage used to be Invisible Oranges. Where they oh, right. Okay. Did a review of one of their shows, and he was. Yeah, yeah, going on and yeah, as he does. But you know, in that in that respect, okay, the guy's a jerk, whatever, and that's up to you. If you can't separate that, that's fine. I've got no problem with that. Yeah. Like, to me, that's fine. If you don't, but you know, and I'm am a little bit like that as myself. I'm like, well, yeah, that makes me not want to listen to him. Yeah, yeah. But on the other hand, I love Miles Davis. I'm a huge Miles Davis fan. And yeah. that guy's an A-grade prick. Yeah, yeah. Like he was a shit, you know, he bashed his wives and all this shit. The yeah, guy's yeah. a jerk. But I love his music. What can I do? You yeah. know, like, so, it's, a, it's a tricky one, isn't it? I mean, it? it's kind of easy if you're sort of on the fence about a band and go, oh, yeah, but that guy's a racist or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. it makes it real easy to just go, Pfft. Yeah. Dave Mustaine's like, well, he's a prick. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't mind Megadeth, but I'm happy to call him Mustaine a prick. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. So, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword, I guess, with that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I Is there anything you would change about the scene as you see it at the moment? The, oh. Locally, nationally? Is there, is there any point? What's, you know, is it? <laughs> <laughs> There's a million things I'd change. Get pokies out of pubs, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. It's just... There's the no scene magic is, wand, The scene though, is it? what it is, you yeah. know? Like, 
it's it's always been there in some respects and you know it's funny Melbourne's got a great scene why has it got a great scene yeah. I don't know there's p- part of it I don't like you at 1am well yeah there's that um, <laughs> of also of the opinion good bands breed more good bands yep um, so if there's a lull in bands well then yeah it's hard to sort you hear that a lot like people put a lot of the blame on venues to say well there's nowhere to play but how much of that is well, truth and how much is it people just not getting out and doing uh, I have, my opinion on that is okay there's nowhere to, to play and the reason that is is because people don't go to gigs yeah if people went to gigs if pubs were packed like they were with in the 80s with people going to shows yeah. you watch pubs would be ditching pokies they'd be ditching the freaking yeah, yeah. the family friendly shit it'd all be gone yeah. because there'd be 300 people in that room sick yeah, yeah. of truckloads of piss every <laughs> night and that's Guess what pubs want to do? They want to sell beer. Yeah, they just want to sell drug, so drunks, alcohol. That's, that's their business model. Yeah. So whatever is <laughs> going to get people in there, if it's a bistro in there where they can charge a bit of rent for the bistro and then sell more beers, they'll do that. Yeah. If it's, you know, like there was that many people going to gigs in the 80s where it was pretty standard for most pubs to have their own PA, yeah, their yeah. own sound guy, and we would just turn up, we would have to put someone on the door yep. and we would take all the door takings. Yeah, yeah. They would even put ads in the paper, in drum media, yep. pay for all that shit. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the door was all yours. Yeah. Can you it... imagine a pub doing that now? No. <laughs> <laughs> Never in a million years. So is there a way to build the scene back to that without the pubs being involved in the first place? Like, is you have to... People just want to see them, have to want to see the music. Yeah. Um, there, there are a few things like what killed Sydney a bit was Triple J going national, so yep. it wasn't Sydney centric anymore. Yeah, that yeah. that was a bit of a blow, mm-hmm. or more than a bit. And then not long after that, Pokies appeared as well. So it was like it just seemed like there was one thing after another with Sydney. Yeah. Um, obviously a trickle on effect to Newcastle. Like there's no local Newcastle station that play local bands. Yeah. There's, there's not even a, you know, to me two two NUR even should have a show. Should do yeah. You know, even a couple hours a week. Yeah. Of just there's enough talent here to do it. Yeah. Why not? You know, like... I remember the, there you go. the metal show. Approach them. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> remember the metal show they used to have on 2NUR. Oh, and a couple, yeah, couple I'd of heard they had a metal show. Yeah. I find that nearly impossible to believe after. <laughs> it was late. It was like 11 o'clock at night. Matt Green from um, In Eminence used to uh, yeah. DJ on but it. But, you know, like I, I can't see any reason why they couldn't do a show like that two hours, you know, on a... Say six. Does anyone to, listen to Two NUR anyway? Is it? Oh, people might if they knew their mate's band was going to be on yeah, there, yeah. and then they'd hear other bands and whatever. If it was like say every Thursday six to eight, and they're just going to play local stuff and play a bit of everything, you know. Obviously, yeah, yeah. they're not going to play all metal or anything. They'd yeah. play, you know. But that would that would go somewhere towards building the scene up. Yeah. You know, might only be an extra, you know. 20 people in a pub a week who knows but and you build another 20 on top of that well yeah and if it's 20 people in a pub and they're drinking 10 bucks or 20 bucks over the bar well you know that pub's now making 400 dollars extra a week or whatever it's so that's paid someone's wages for the night that's right you know and it just (laughs) yeah yeah i don't don't think many musos think business like enough like that yeah yeah you know they, they sort of just want to get just let us play well like, yeah yeah they can't run a big picture and, you yeah. know yeah yeah it's just <laughs> but you know and the other thing was pubs would run at a loss pubs when they were having bands four nights a week they would um i remember like sitting down with jessica at the Lansdowne, and um she now was booking home bacon all that went on to do yep. that but i remember she sat me down in this she liked this band i was in in like early 90s and it and um, she goes, look, we'll put you on first on on a Wednesday, see how you go. 
put us on the first on a Wednesday. You know, there was 30 people there or whatever. Yep. And she went, I really like your band. I think you've got something. So I'll put you on a few other gigs. So we'll support first on on Thursdays. So we'll play in front of 30 or 40 people for a few weeks that we'd nev- had never seen us before. And then she gave us, all right, you're going all right. He's pulled a little bit of a crowd. We'd maybe pull 20 people. So she was like, I'll put you first on on a Friday with yeah. like, I remember it was like Hoss and someone. And it was like, oh, okay. But she goes, there's got to be 50 people in the room when you guys play. Yeah. Or, or you back to Wednesday nights again sort of thing. <laughs> and so, yeah, we promoted it. And sure enough, there was 50 people in the room. Yeah. And so she was cool with that. So then I think maybe three weeks later, we played with the New Christ, same deal, first yeah, yeah. on, you know. So, and then, so yeah, she built it up because she was like going, well, one day, hopefully you guys will be headlining. Yeah. So that was promoters in pubs actually thought like that yeah <laughs> bizarre but true it, uh, it's not a thing now yeah. hasn't been a thing for freaking years and it's still really the best way to build an audience isn't it to go out and play yeah hone your craft yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah. like that's yeah. how you're not going to get good you can you know every gig's worth three rehearsals I yeah, yeah when you uh do you get to do in your solo album is it going to be a Country style no, acoustic gonna be, fest, well, or there's going to be never going to be a solo album because a I can't sing, <laughs> b I can't write lyrics. No one wants to hear an instrumental record, especially me. <laughs> so um, not even going to make it. <laughs> yeah, nah. I guess I could maybe have guests for. Uh, yeah, nah. I'm I'm really happy playing in bands. Yeah, like yeah. dig. Yeah, like the camaraderie and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah. and having someone else to blame when shit goes wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Not being all on your head. Yeah. If it goes bad, well, then it's all your yeah. problem if you're the yeah. guy. And that's still the main thing that brings you back to bands again is just that good time with... Yeah, totally. Like, especially at this age. like the music's almost incidental in a way to... Yeah, yeah. And... Like, it's just... Yeah, I couldn't imagine playing in a band with guys I don't like. Yeah, it just yeah. wouldn't even be a thing now. I've yeah. I've done it in the past, like with guys I haven't got along with that great. But why? You know, like yeah. it's you're not going to make it or anything. It's just it, yeah. this is totally recreation. That yeah. sometimes we get on a bit of a roll and people want to see us recreate. I don't know. <laughs> you do get a lot of some of the I guess older guys in the scene who've been doing it for a long time and they're still sort of waiting for that. Oh yeah, they, they you know, exist. I'm, I'm it's scary. Make it now, it, yeah. it, it's scary, but they exist. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's yeah. always funny when you run across them in the wild. And, and, yeah, and, you, know. And, you know, I've even had guys kind of come up to me a bit jealous or whatever, and I'm just yeah. like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't, just do I don't, your own thing. Yeah, just do your own thing, and if yeah. you really want to do it, just work really hard and do it a lot. You yeah, know, yeah. like <sighs> far out. You know. I've, People go, oh, blah, blah, blah. You played some gig, 200 people there. You know, why are we still playing in front of 30 people yeah, at the yeah. pub? Yeah, well, I drove all the way to Adelaide to play in front of seven people once. <laughs> Have you done that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't recommend it. It's not much fun. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's been the shit, you know, there's some shit times as well. Yeah. It's not all freaking glory or, you know. Did you learn anything when you were going flat knackers at it that you'd pass on to someone else who was like, you know, I, I want to make a go of, doing music is there anything or they, as you say you just got to sort of feel it out yourself just do yeah, your best yeah just work hard because yeah. you got to do that I've seen some bands not work hard and get all the breaks that's even rarer than the bands that work hard and, <laughs> and have the breaks yeah. <laughs> you know like it's yeah it's like Haley's Comet or something yeah yeah it's yeah, is there a band you were in that were you like, looking back you're like well, why the fuck did that not 
take off. Oh, yeah, a couple yeah. of them. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 bit of hindsight now, I can see it, but there, you know, there's... Yeah, but a lot of it's just been in the right place at the right yeah, time. Yeah. I remember one band, we, we knocked back a, a tour with Front End Loader and like that could have been, if, yeah. I reckon if we'd taken that tour, things might have been very different. May have been. Yeah, may yeah. not have been. It might have been horrible. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, and then to top it off, we got offered, not long after that, we got offered a tour with the New Christ and we knocked that back because yeah. various reasons. Yeah, and yeah. um. Yeah, things just could have been different, but you don't. Fuck, what do you do? You know, yeah, like yeah. you just got to go with what you had at the time. It's, yeah. yeah, no point dwelling on it. There's all these what ifs, what ifs, but you know, well, I can sit there and go, yeah, I made some dumb decisions here and there. Yeah, but you know, they were the decisions I made, so yeah. just don't do that dumb thing again. <laughs> I don't know, but it's too late for that now. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. So what's coming up immediate future for you? Neptune's new album on the yeah, way soon. Yeah, we're um, about to finish the gigging cycle. This weekend's our last show. We've just done Sydney and Melbourne. I don't know. We might. I think we've got another Sydney show in August. Yep. Or oh, actually, we have. I can't remember the date off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, now hopefully it's, we won't wait too long to put these up, and yeah, we've already be <laughs> yeah, November um, or something. I don't know. We'll probably do Canberra and yeah, stuff yeah. again in the meantime. Canberra and Newcastle, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the focus is basically to finish writing and recording this album, yep. and then we'll pr- try and have it out by February. I think we leave mid February. We leave for Europe. Yep. So. You got picked up with a German label, yeah. Press of the record, yeah. That's Oak Island Records right. in Germany, yep. yeah, yeah. They did, um, I don't know, two hundred and fifty or three hundred yep. on coloured vinyl, even which yep. we didn't do coloured vinyl. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the pressing for our album here sold out really quick. Like yeah. we, before we'd finished the touring cycle, we had no records left. Yep. So, um, yeah, we were like didn't really have the capital to repress and they were like oh, we'll pick you up and, yeah, yeah. and I don't know for some reason the Germans like us we've got lots of press over there and yeah, yeah. we've been to a bunch of mags mostly lined up through those guys I think yeah. I don't know but yeah there's so there's some sort of um, seems to have a bit of up, upward momentum anyway Neptune it's, yeah, it's, yeah yeah so we'll see what happens with the next record. You know, this is album four already. I don't even understand how this has happened. <laughs> <laughs> they tend um, to be, they seem to be coming out fairly quickly too. Like, yeah, well, the it? first one was like it was only ever supposed to be a studio project. Yeah. That was it was Fox and Dean, and they were going to get guest guitarists for every solo, yeah. and then they asked me to be one of those guest guitarists, and I ended up doing all doing of them. The whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then you know then. A few years later, they were like, oh, we're thinking about trying to play live. And so, yeah, you know, but the singer on the first record lived in America. So we yep. needed to get a singer. Get and someone local. All of a sudden, the second album came out and we started playing live. And yep. then it was like, well, we better do another record. So we've done that. And now it's like, well, now we're going to do another record. So, <laughs> it, yeah, it sort of seems like it snowballed, but there was a bit of sort of lead up for a couple yeah, yeah. of years and where nothing really happened it seems to be record. sort of uh, self-perpetuating itself obviously they're not running at a severe loss here or anything like that with running the band nah it's ticking over yeah, yeah. it's you know yeah we've got to put our hand in our pocket to tour a bit but yep. I don't care yeah, yeah. so what get a weekend in Melbourne that's the way I, that's the way <laughs> I've always looked at touring it's like well if, I got, if we can make enough money to pay for the hotels or something that's fine you yep. know it just get a weekend away we got um which skull is signed with 
rise above, is it? Yeah, is yeah. That, do you see any sort of flow on for that for other local bands, or it's just uh, no, anomaly is what it is? A one off. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. Just the strength of that music seemed to speak to. It seems right in the yeah. rise above's. I'm hanging here the market. second album that's out really soon for yeah, those yeah. guys. Yeah, you know, and yeah, they got their touring cycle begins. I think the end of July. Yeah. So they'd be doing, they'd be hitting Europe and everything. Well, I don't know, but there's above. only three of them. Yeah. I can't see why they shouldn't. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. They definitely should. Yeah. So. Beautiful. All right, that's pretty much everything I've got there, man. Cool. Cool. That was pretty good. Prattled on lots. Yeah.